It's been amazing already this morning, hasn't it? Just the fact of us being together, actually. Can you come and just make this higher, please? I know if I tried, I might embarrass myself, so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. Everyone's needed in this picture, right? <laughs> right. So we're approaching Christmas, right? And um, we've been choosing a different area, topic, person to talk about. And December, we wanted to talk about Jesus. And um, obviously, Jesus is the reason for every day. But as we approach Christmas, Jesus is the reason very much um, for our anticipation of him remembering him coming, that Jesus is the reason. And what I wanted to say today is that <coughs> Jesus fulfills everything. He fulfills everything that has gone before. He has completed it. Jesus has fulfilled it. I am seeing what this is. Did you know when we think about, when we say, what has Jesus fulfilled? What, does, what comes to your mind? Law. What does that feel, to, what does that mean? Yes, the law, what does that say to you, the law? Right. So we don't have to do sacrifices, animal sacrifices anymore. What I want to say, this is something that was really amazing to realize. When God created the world, like day one, he actually established laws into the very fiber of creation. And so when we talk about the law and the, like the Ten Commandments, that was something that was written a long time after it was sort of like a summary and a recognition of what had already been woven in. That's amazing, right? I was interested to just see that on day one there was light. And so we have laws of physics. So, you know, when I was in school, I learned that, you know, when light hits a surface, there's a certain, it reflects at the same angle, and, you know, there's all these laws. But it doesn't deviate, doesn't change that. That's established from the beginning, right? All right, so that's one example. Day two, land and sky, where we've got chemistry and meteorology, well, uh, meteor, whatever, someone say it. Thank you. And um, then day three, he created the creatures. He brought forth living creatures. Well, now we have biology and we have physiology and biochemistry. And we also have the law of reproduction. And without going graphically, I'm not asking for graphics. I'm just saying, what does that actually mean? That means that everything produces after its own kind. So 
you have a mouse as a baby mouse. You have a palm tree. It's not going to produce a banana tree, right? So it produces after its own kind. And that's, um, we, we, could, we could try and try and change that, but there's not a lot of, I, I think we would be pushing water up a hill, right? Because it's, it's already done, it's already established. There are a few other laws. I just want to just pinpoint, highlight just a few, and then we can see what Jesus has done to fulfill them. So there's the law of sowing and reaping. So God says in Galatians, for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. All right, so <clears throat> reminds me of secondhand lions. <laughs> the guy came and gave them all these different seeds. But in fact, they were all corn. So <laughs> they wondered why they'd got corn. Okay, that was funny. <laughs> all right. If you plant corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. So we plant seeds and whatever we do, whether it's our words, our attitudes, everything of our life, we're, we're sowing things and we're going to get a harvest. The other tricky part of that, if we don't get it quite right, is there's a law of multiplication. So if we happen to be sowing a seed that's not full of life, then we're going to multiply something that's getting more and more out of hand. In fact, God says, you know, when we don't put him first, that actually and we have idols and there are, it actually passes down the family. There's a, there's, a, there's a consequence that passes down the family. He sees us very much in our family lines. And, and so there's a sowing and reaping that happens down the generations. And there is good news about that, so don't panic too much. But yes, it's real. The law of retribution in the Old Testament, they said an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. <coughs> and the law of judging, judge not because otherwise you'll be judged. You know, the Lord's Prayer says, Lord, forgive me as I forgive others. Oops. So if I have any unforgiveness in my heart, then I'm actually not standing under the, the grace shower of forgiveness for myself. Refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others and you will not be judged. You will be judged by the same standard that you used to judge others. You know, actually we... We don't really realize how much we've judged, you know. Um, I guess when we first were introduced to the whole thing of forgiving people, um, when we moved to Toronto, it was like 
you need to forgive. And I'm like, I didn't know I had any unforgiveness. I thought, well, this is actually looks like a good idea because, you know, I'm seeing the, the fruit of, of people's lives being really touched. So I just thought, okay, Lord, who shall I forgive? And I obviously started with my parents, and I'm a parent, so <clears throat> I know that that's where everyone needs to start. It's our parents. And <clears throat> then I thought, oh, this is going quite well, and I started forgiving other people. And um, I actually felt like I was so much peace. <laughs> I'm just saying... You know, if we have unforgiveness, then we get knotted up. And um, I know some of us have more to forgive than others, but I was just going to say about judging. You know, I didn't realize that <coughs> I judged my parents. You know, in my when something didn't go my way or something, I subconsciously I I judged them for how they what they did. Well, there's a judgment then that comes on me, and now I end up doing the same thing except it's multiplied. Oh, great, you know, not. So the reason Jesus came is to, is to set us free from all of that. So, so hang around long enough and you're going to hear the good news. Um, not just today, but ev every day that you hang around because our lives have really been changed by walking a, a journey that where Jesus has undone some of those things that were, um, excuse me, consequences and therefore something that I couldn't change because it was a legal consequence in the heavenly realms right so I could try my best now I've decided I want to follow God and I want to do this <clears throat> but the enemy has a legal right and so these laws that are so established and intrinsic in the whole world in all creation we can't we can't work that out ourselves. It, it really did take Jesus to come. Really did take Jesus. Jesus invites us into a new way of living. <clears throat> we have all sinned and fall short, and we are in need of his glory. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He looks at us and sees us righteous. That's from 2 Corinthians. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, If any man be in Christ, in Christ, what does that mean? If I've said yes to him, I'm stepping into Jesus. He is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, new things, all things are becoming new. Um, <clears throat> here's something for some of us, and it was something that I saw this week. <clears throat> Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Crystal actually spoke this out earlier. <laughs> Come to me, he says. And I think that was this whole invitation that Nancy was picking up on. Mm. I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. By the way, this is Jesus speaking. We're not trying to get you connected with us as much as with Jesus. So that's our goal, is that your heart gets connected with him. So let him ask this question to you. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Jesus says, come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Oasis is after the desert and after not having enough. The oasis is where there's green, <laughs> where there's nourishment. 
Did you know, actually, the desert is all potentially full of life? It's just that if you, if you actually watered the desert, it would all come to life. It's amazing. It's just that there's life in that place, and so that's where it's green. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Hmm. So I think that in the Old Testament, it seemed like there were a lot of things that people had to bear. It was quite heavy. You know, we've got to get this right, got to have that right. That was partly with the law or the instructions. You know, are we getting this instruction right? But I feel like with Jesus, <coughs> the thing about him is he's saying, I'm going to show you. You're not trying to do it from the outside. I'm coming to live inside you so that I can, I can help you. He says, I'm coming to live inside you so that I can help you do these things. So the other day, I was doing a lot of, I'd set myself a deadline to complete a certain course, and then we got notification that if I could finish it in about quarter of the time, then that would be of benefit, but it wasn't essential. <coughs> so we decided that I would go for this and just see, but you know, it wasn't going to be. Well, I was getting on with this course and making some sacrifices, but I got to <coughs> two thirds of the way through and I'm like, I, my brain, I need to just stop now because there are so many other things that I need to do and want to do. And so even when we have a good thing, I feel like he's saying, don't let anything get in the way of just being with me. These things are good things, right? But we have to continually just have this little Holy Spirit nudge that he says, wait a minute, where am I? I sort of see it like we sort of, you know when you get a map and you get closer and closer and closer and closer and, and God's over here saying, um, excuse me, <laughs> you're getting too focused, too locked in. So Jesus came, <clears throat> it's a gift, he says, for by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you could ever, nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. Hmm. Can't do it anything for it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ I'm going to say that again because that's so amazing I'm going to say it in little chunks and then you can say it after me for by grace we have been saved by faith nothing we did could ever earn this salvation for it was the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. No one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. So we fire our human striving 
Oh yeah, you can say that or you can listen. Yeah, we're firing that. <laughs> we're just going to go with the grace. <coughs> and step into a no accusation zone. It says, Romans 8, this is amazing too. Now the case is closed. All right, the gavel goes down. Closed, everyone say closed, it's done, right? Are you happy about that? There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life, there's laws in the spirit too, right? We've just been talking about that. There's the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. So this, in the spirit there's laws, and in the natural there are laws. And we are living in the natural, but we're also living in the spirit. And that's really, really it, because we are living in the natural, but we have to continually connect in, because we're also simultaneously living in the spirit. We're right now seated in the heavenly places. So we are getting dressed, we're eating, we're washing, we're doing all those things, but we're also seated with Christ. Ah. I have some people who were going to share a little bit about what it means to put God first because as I say we can have got Jesus in our life but we can still drift and he is working in us because he's, we're working out our salvation and there are things that are going on in our thoughts. There are things that are in our hearts that are still like guy ropes to the natural and what he's doing. When Sometimes when things are hard, he allows those sometimes so that we suddenly become aware of how bad that issue is and then we're really willing to do something about it. And as I say, it's basically turning it over to Jesus. So Monique, would you like to start? All right. Yeah, give her a, everyone give her a big round of applause. She's coming up to... Rah, 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 rah. Well, I want to share a story that happened to me this week. It's God's been telling me to share it because sometimes we got to acknowledge the little things that he does for us. And um, while I was at work this week, you know, I was with this customer and she was literally draining my energy. Just kept me for about two hours. And that's a long time for a refrigerator, so... I understand this was important to her. I get it. But, and I was looking to my coworkers for help. And as I'm doing this, I'm talking to Jesus all the way through, going, please, Lord, just be with me right now to get me through this moment. So I look over at my coworkers, and I'm looking for that out. And I say to one of my coworkers, I see that designer. She's called in three times for me. She must really need me. And he goes, nah, she's fine. 
So that out was gone. Then I walked by my one of my other coworkers and I looked at her and I lipped and I made sure no, no nothing reflective in front of me and I said, "Save me." Nothing. Still, now we're going almost over that two hours. Then I'm just all of a sudden sitting there at my desk talking to her, and in walks one of my favorite project partners, a fellow Christian. And um, I go, okay, you must, you know, is there something that you need right now? He goes, yes, I need your help right now. She instantly left and let me handle that. It took me five minutes to handle him, and I finally could get to my other tasks. So then I went outside and prayed, as I always do, and I thank the Lord. Thank you so much for saving me from that moment. It was just too draining. And then as I was praying, my coworker comes outside and says, you're not going to believe this, but she's back again. I said, oh, Lord. So I walk in, I handle her, and not only did she get that refrigerator, but she got a couple other things. So truly I was blessed at that moment, but it just showed me that Sometimes we need to acknowledge those small things in the way he works for us. You know, bringing in that fellow Christian to me was huge. And I even acknowledged to my coworkers, I said, you know what? None of you saved me. It took God to intercede. <laughs> so thank you for letting me share that. I put a couple of texts out and I got some answers. Are you... Laura, are you going to? Yeah. Yeah, Jane looked at me and she said, I sent those texts out, but you didn't answer. <laughs> I ignore things like that sometimes. <laughs> but God says, don't ignore. Um, I think for me, in putting God first is to acknowledge him in every situation. To see him in everything. Rather, I was just reading in Ephesians where Paul talks about, I've learned to be content. Whether I've got want and lack or whether I have abundance. Whether I have plenty or I have nothing. I've learned to be content. And for me, in the season of life that I'm in right now, that's what I'm hanging on to. I've learned to be content. Or let's say, I'm learning to be content. I don't think I've arrived yet. But those would be some of the areas. And um, yeah, I have found a friend of mine told me about a new doctor that's nearby here that's just for the seniors. And I had an appointment with her this past week. And it went fabulously. And it's just, it's going to be a blessing in my life. And um, the other doctors were wanting to put me through this test and that test and another test. She said, you're the healthiest looking and the youngest looking 76-year-old that I know. <laughs> so, yeah, just in acknowledging him in everything you do or don't do, just where you are. Laura.
So when I got Jane's text, I spent a few minutes thinking about examples of when I can say I've put father first in my life. And I thought, I just need to ask him. And I was reminded of Luke 22 with not my will, but yours be done. And then I just heard Holy Spirit say, preferably cheerfully, <laughs> which I'm sure some of us can probably relate to. Sometimes we'll do it, but it's a little bit grumbly and if I have to. So for me, that is where I'm at with putting father first and trying to keep a smile on my face as I do it. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. I'm sort of running out. Roger, were you going to say anything? There we go. You got invited, but you didn't reply. And if there's something that's on your heart that you want to share, I'm going to invite you to, Jamie. Well, you just got called out. <laughs> um, so when I asked this question, my brain kind of exploded, and I had to take some time to go through many of the options to answer it with them, but we finally landed on um, Christ-likeness. Specifically, those of you who have known me for the last two years know that when I first showed up, I was uh, abrasive, to put it kindly. <laughs> um, volatile and, uh, you know, arrogant. All those wonderful things that the world makes us. And uh, in following him, I have, uh, yes, I know, it's amazing. I have uh, changed and been tempered and been certainly not completed, but much, much better than, I've been made much better than what I was when I started. It's been amazing and beautiful to watch that process. Well done. Um, probably what comes to mind for me is I take complaints um, at my company. Um, so maybe like a month I, I do I love my job God totally worked out my job which sounds crazy but I had been in recovery ministry for years so I was used to listening to people's problems so God prepared me all that time um, for this job and now you know I consider my job I get to minister peace to people but I had noticed like on my way to work I pray I have a half hour commute and always well, I was praying Lord just um, give me your heart for them um, and their loved ones and I had actually <laughs> just getting in a hurry in the morning I had actually forgotten to pray that and then I noticed I started having it, more issues and then I realized I need to go back <laughs> and put him first and bring him into the situation and, like, whenever I go to meet somebody in the hallways, I'm walking down, Lord, just, you know, give me your peace. You know, when I walk in the room, I want my peace to cover that situation because I can walk into some volatile situations. Um, but I'm thankful, and he's faithful. Amazing. Sherry. 
Sherry told me straight away she was going to have it. Okay. Well, I told Jane yes. And just like I never did good in school because I didn't prepare, so I didn't prepare. So anyway, <laughs> sounds like Sherry, right? Um, I'm just going to tell a little story real quick. Um, 50 years ago, I was in the hospital in Madrid, Spain, and I had a baby that was born. She turned 50 on Friday. She was in intensive care dying. They told me she would not make it. She would not live. She had, um, they thought, spinal meningitis. So they did spinal tap, and there was one other baby in the, in the um, hospital that weekend. That baby died of spinal meningitis. And for the first time in my life, I sat there and I prayed. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know anything about salvation. I believed in God, but I didn't know anything else. I prayed and prayed over that baby every time I got to hold her. And just 10 days later, I took her home. She just turned 50, <laughs> so she made it. But then about two and a half years later, I was in Guam, and I had a son. And he was in intensive care. They told me he was not going to live, that there was no way he was going to live. He had spinal meningitis. I said, no, he doesn't. And I sat there, and I prayed over that baby again. And now he's 47. So. My time was only praying when I was in trouble or when I needed God. I didn't know God as a personal savior or as a relationship with him at all. Then it took me a long time to come to the Lord, like 50, I was 55. And I found out that God is so good. Not only do I go to him with my own personal healings, but I go with him to all my problems. And I find out that, you know, it's not just problems. I go to him when I want to thank him. I go to him when I want to say, you know, I love you. I go to him with everything because I built a relationship with him. And it started with that prayer over my daughter that was dying years ago. But I didn't know that one day I would find the Lord and put him first in my life, ask him if I should do this. I was a single mom for years. I was only make decisions, and I'd be, do I do this, do that? And I wish then I'd had the Lord to help me make the decisions instead of me just jumping the fence all the time. But God is so good. He's just so good. And I'm so glad that I found him and I put him first in my life over everything else. And I'm going to leave you with a little nugget that the Lord gave me this week. The world is full of possibilities. The Lord is full of promises. So each day wake up with the possibility of all his promises and the promise of all the possibilities. Very good. So on that note, I want to um, just land this. And I think that anybody who gave a testimony, I'd like, to, if you are happy to, to come and stand at the front and and um, just be ready to. I'm going to invite anyone who would like to have some encouragement. If you were particularly encouraged by that one person, then to come forward and they can pray for you. Just bless you. Um, simple prayer. Um, if you um, have any other needs that you have, then come forward and ask that as well. Um, but we we really believe that as we speak out what is on our hearts, things that are hard, or if, if we don't, then it sort of gets bottled up. But if we speak it out, then it comes out, and it comes out of the darkness, out of the hidden place, and it comes out, and then somebody else can actually agree with you and pray, and and, and maybe have a bit more of a, another perspective, a heaven's p perspective. And so we love to be able to pray for each other. So come on up if you are happy to, that you, if you gave your testimony and you would like to pray for people um if you uh, are on the prayer team and you'd like to do that as well that's fine too come up um, and i just want to open it up to anyone who'd like to um come and s you know get some more encouragement pray 
like aligning with God's way. So, Father, we thank you for what you've done in our hearts today. Maybe it wasn't something that was so publicly heard, but you whispered it to our heart. And we want to, we want to um, solidify, we want to say, let that be made eternal. Anything that came from you in our hearts this morning and anything that wasn't, let it just wash off. We just say, Lord, let your kingdom come in my heart. Help me to put you first and to see the beautiful blessings and consequences of that. And Father, thank you for this community, this family that has hope for each other and hope for those who are yet to find Jesus, to find hope. So we speak a blessing over your week. We speak a blessing over your health. We speak a blessing over your finances. We speak a blessing over your family and over those who are still looking for you, searching in other places. We speak a blessing that, Holy Spirit, you would be doing the most beautiful work of bringing them back to the Father.